All right, we're in week three of uh, our Identity Crisis uh, series of messages. Um, and so far what we've talked about is uh, we began by claiming our security. We like security. Everybody likes to feel safe and secure. And we talked about our eternal security, most important security of all, about our salvation out of John 10 a couple of weeks ago. That Jesus assures us that when we're saved, we're in the hand of the Father, His hand's over us, no power can rip us out of His hand. And we talked about out of John 8 that uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Last week we talked about the fact that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That deals with our guilt, our shame of the past, and we can live free without any threat of punishment over us as long as we're in Christ. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He took the punishment for our sin. And when God looks upon us today, He sees us as righteous in His sight. And so we don't have to fear condemnation. No more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But today, we're going to look at a challenging issue about our identity in Christ. And I have to give some warning to this that uh, parents, uh, there might be some words used in here that might create some questions to come later because we're going to use the S word. We're going to talk about sex because we're talking about today identity in Christ is that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God And in that context, the Apostle Paul writes about that. He talks about the challenge about how we we abuse or misuse our body. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. That our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And it's going to be a challenge to us to think about that. Uh, I found a quote by the TV chef Anthony Bourdain. I don't know, maybe uh, y'all watch him on a cooking show or something. And I don't know the context of this statement, but this is the statement that he made. He said, your body is not a temple, it's an amusement park, so enjoy the ride. Now, I I don't understand that except maybe he's talking about the food he cooks and all that and enjoy that. Well, somebody followed up on that statement he made that your body's not a temple, it's an amusement park, so enjoy the ride. And so they came up with some things about how you might describe your body as an amusement park. And we thought we'd throw some of these up on the, on the screen for you. It might be called Sedentary Mountain. We got those up there we can show? All right, Sedentary Mountain. Well, we're just too sedentary. We sit, you know, not like Splash or Thunder Mountain. I like this one, Cholesterol. You got a problem with your cholesterol? You're not eating right? You're eating the wrong things, okay? You got that? Cholesterol. State fairs coming up. Some of you like to ride the bumper cars. How about plumper cars? All right. Ah, then how about the old tunnel of love? You know that little trail you take through there, the tunnel of love? How about this one? Tunnel of love handles. And then instead of the magic kingdom, the tragic kingdom. Or it could just be simply we need to put up a sign that says, sorry, ride closed due to poor maintenance. And I think that talks basically about one of the issues about our bodies. I think uh, when we don't use our bodies right, when we don't honor the fact that this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, I think there's basically like two categories as to what we do with our bodies. We either um, misuse them or we abuse them. We abuse our bodies or we misuse them. So how do, we, how do we abuse our bodies? Well, here's some, here's some statistics about it, and, and it speaks to all of us today. 65% of all adults in the United States are considered to be overweight, overweight. 
Yeah, you know, I, I I got convicted about that, and uh, we went on a diet. We went on this whole thirty thing, and I've taken off fortunately about twenty pounds. But before that, it gotten to where you know there's this cut of clothes out there now. You look at these a lot of commentators on TV, and the coat looks like if that button popped, they'd put the cameraman's eye out. They they buy them like that because they're slim fit, tailor tailor made, and that you know. And I tell the salespeople, I said. What are, what are these manufacturers and designers thinking? We're more obese than we've ever been before. My suits look like that on me. I don't want to buy one that looks like that on me. So we got convicted about that. We went on a diet. 65% of all Americans are overweight. 30% of all adults are considered to be medically obese. That is not a healthy country. More than 400,000 Americans die each year from tobacco-related disease. There are more than 175,000 cocaine-related emergency room episodes. People are, are abusing their body with drugs. 22%, listen to this, parents and, and our students, 22% of high school seniors have smoked marijuana in the past month. We abuse our bodies, and this is the temple of God. And, and what's so tragic about it is that Psalm 139, 139 reminds us that God has created this body in a unique way and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we abuse our bodies in certain ways. The other thing we do is that we misuse our bodies. How do we do that? Well, we misuse our bodies in relation to sexual activity. Here's some other statistics. Over 15 million new cases of sexually transmitted diseases are reported every year in the United States. Approximately two-thirds of the people who require who acquire the sexually transmitted diseases are under the age of 25. And it's estimated that nearly 65 million people in the United States have some form of a sexually transmitted disease. Now, that, all that sexual activity, I think, is, is fueled by what's going on in our culture today. There are over 4 million pornographic websites uh, with, in, our, in our country today. And 60 8 million pornographic search engine requests daily. Can you imagine that? 68 million pornographic search engine requests daily. And that leads to 2.5 billion daily pornographic emails. 40 million United States adults regularly visit pornographic websites and 47% of Americans say pornography is a problem in their home. Now, when I'm preaching to this and we're talking here to the church, you might think, well, why is that something that you need to bring up in church? If all those statistics are true, somebody in here has got a problem. It's going to speak to at least one person who's got a problem with this issue. And so it's in the Word of God we've got to deal with. It's part of our identity that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. No wonder with all these facts then that the porn industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Sex is put right in front of you at your fingertips. It's as close as your TV, your laptop, your iPad. Everything that comes through your television on the movie screen comes from the Hollywood that wants to sell sex and wants to say that whatever they put through those those airways, it's what is normal. And that is not true. That's not what God's Word tells us. See, God, God did not create us to abuse or misuse our bodies. He did not create us to misuse our bodies in sexual activity in a way that does not honor Him. 
And so that's what's behind this writing that the Apostle Paul writes about here in 1 Corinthians 6 when he writes about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 beginning in verse 12. And let's just listen carefully to what Paul writes. And then we'll talk about the whole setting for the, for the letter of Corinthians and where this church was and what their background was. Paul says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I, am not, I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now here's where it gets really down to talking about our body as the temple. And he says, then flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? There is the bottom line. In Christ, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, you are then the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. And he goes on to say, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now, there are going to be some difficult words, maybe already that you've heard, maybe things he's going to have to deal with. But here's the backdrop about this whole issue that Paul is writing. He's writing to the believers in Corinth. The city of Corinth was a notoriously, wickedly sinful city. To play the Corinthian was a phrase that always meant to be engaged in illicit sexual activity. There was a temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And there were temple prostitutes where men would go in acts of worship and have sex. And then in the evening the women would come down and walk the city streets and sell their bodies insects. It's out of that background then that the believers came to form the body of the church there in Corinth. But obviously they were still having problems with it. They, they were living in a sex-saturated culture and it was still creating problems for them. There was a major issue, if you want to know how bad it was, a major issue that showed how widespread the misuse of sex was. In 1 Corinthians 5.1, Paul addresses a very painful issue there in the church. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among the pagans. For he says, a man has his father's wife. Now, that's how tragic it was. That's how bad the situation was. So, Paul writes to say to them, you got an identity crisis. Remember your identity. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, how did Paul deal with that? Well, he re- first of all, here's what he does. He refutes the arguments that justify immorality. There are all kinds of arguments about immorality. The first argument says, immorality is okay because I'm under grace. We are under grace, and that's true. When you're saved, it's by the grace of God, 
and by your faith in that grace. And so we live under that grace. But that does not mean that we have freedom to do whatever we want to, whenever we want to. There were those, however, who would bring up that argument and would say, because I'm under grace, I can do anything that I want. So how does Paul address that? He does so with two, two guidelines about his freedom in Christ. First, in verse 12, he says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Two questions he asks. Before we engage in any kind of questionable action, we should ask the question, is this beneficial? Will this be beneficial to me? Will it be beneficial to others? Will it be helpful to me? Or will it be harmful to me? You see, our freedom in Christ is not meant to harm others, but to serve others. The second question is this, is it enslaving? Is it enslaving? In other words, Paul's saying you've got to look at these questionable activities and ask the question, will it master me? Will it end up ruling my life? Will it become an addiction in my life? When our bodies become dependent on anything that is ungodly, then we become a slave to whatever it is. You see, we misuse our bodies with sex. We abuse our bodies, and you can do it with food or drink or any of those kinds of things. And we get overweight, we get obese, or we get addicted to alcohol, we get addicted to drugs, all those things. Paul basically is dealing here with the issue of sexual immorality. And the second argument that Paul deals with is this, when it says immorality is okay because it's natural. The first argument says, I'm under grace, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't affect me. That's not true. It can be harmful. It will be harmful to you. It will be addictive to you. The second issue he deals with is the argument that says immorality is natural. And so it's okay to do that. Look at verses 13 through 14. Paul writes and says, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. I mean, that's a powerful statement. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. For His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. Now, Paul hasn't changed the subject from sex to eating, but he's making an analogy. The Corinthians said sex is just like eating. It's, it's a normal activity, and so it's okay. They would say food's for the stomach in the same way that sex is for the body, and it's okay. When you overeat, nobody accuses you of immorality. So if you have sex the way you want to, when you want to, then what's wrong with that? It's just a natural part of the body. You see, the world that we live in today, regardless of all the emphasis it places on it, has a low view of sex. God has a high view of sex. He gives it to us as a wonderful gift to enjoy in the relationship of marriage. The world sees sex as another bodily function. The Bible teaches us that sex teaches, touches us and affects us at a much deeper level than eating does. It's something that involves your total being, not just your body, but your soul and your spirit as well. And so Paul deals with that issue. And he says that sex involves something altogether different than just the normal lust or the normal craving for food. 
First, the stomach is made for food. The body wasn't made for immorality. It was made for the Lord, he says. Your body is made for the Lord. It has a higher purpose than just being satisfied, either by, by gluttonous activity or by sexual immorality. It does not matter. Your body is made for the Lord. You're to take care of it, not abuse it, and not misuse it. Sex involves the body, but the body isn't temporary. We're going to get a resurrected body, and that resurrected body will be with us for all eternity. And so we can logically conclude then that our bodies weren't made for immorality, but for immortality. And that's the argument that Paul uses that says, I'm under grace, I can do anything, or it's just a natural tendency, it's free, it's what God intended me to do, and he says, no, it's not. It's not. He refutes that argument. The second thing Paul does is he rebukes the belief that our physical and spiritual lives are separate. Our physical and spiritual lives are not separate, and Paul addresses that so powerfully. And he does so with three very practical, powerful, spiritual truths that he points out so easily here in the text. First of all, he says, our bodies are members of Christ. You think about that with this body. If you are abusing your body, you're abusing technically the body of Christ. If you're misusing your body, you're misusing the body of Christ. Verse 15 says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? And he says, never. See, our bodies are members of Christ. And when we engage in immorality of any kind, we use our body in a way that damages God and brings dishonor to God. That's a real warning to us about compartmentalizing our life. You cannot just say, over here is my, is my worldly life, and this is, this is where my body is, and this is where I do all the bodily functions and all those kinds of things. And over here is my spiritual life, and those two things are separate. This is where I'm in church, I'm in my Bible study, I'm in quiet time and all of that. And, and you think that there's a disconnect between what happens out in the world and your spiritual life, and that's not true at all. There is no disconnect between your body and your spiritual life. They go together. So remember that you're not to engage in sexual immorality because your bodies are members of Christ. The second thing he says is, our bodies are one spirit with the Lord. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit because we are one spirit with the Lord. So whenever you engage in the sexual act, you become one body with that person. That's why Paul goes all the way back to Genesis 3 and quotes from the marriage relationship where he says, the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become one flesh. You see, that gives us great insight into the nature and purpose of sex. Sex is an act that unites a man and woman in a one flesh relationship. And the words used there are very powerful words for joining together in a way that they're not to ever be separated. And it's a reminder to us that when you're engaged in the sexual act, there is no such thing as casual sex. Something mysterious and deep takes place in that union between a man 
and a wife. And it's in marriage that's the only context that God gives to us for enjoyment of sex. Sex is a life-uniting act. And, and it is intended for a man and a woman in the marriage relationship. And when it is experienced in that way, it is a beautiful expression of intimacy that only God the Father and His love for us can give to us. And only in marriage can you really experience it the way God wants you to experience it. So we are one with God. Our bodies are one with God and we are one with God in spirit. The third argument he gives this is this, that our bodies are the dwelling place of God. He says it very clearly in verses 18 through 20. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You have been bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You ever heard the phrase or said the phrase that all sin is sin, sin is sin is sin? I think Paul says something different about that here in this passage. I think he's saying that sexual sin is unique, that it's different because it's a sin against the body. And what makes that so unique? It's because this body is the dwelling place of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And so Paul is saying that if we are involved in sexual immorality, then we are, to, we are sinning against the body of God because this is the dwelling place of God. And so Paul says then, flee immorality and honor God with your life. So let's get down to the practical area of this. How, how do we do that? What does Paul say about how we do that? What does the Bible teach us then about honoring that? He, he, he reasons with us that we should honor God with our body. Two things, flee from immorality and honor God with your body. Flee from immorality and honor God with your body. What do we do? How do we incorporate some things into our life so that we can free from, uh, flee from immorality and deal with the real reality of the issue that confronts us every day that's real and powerful? Well, that's where you establish guardrails in your life and those guardrails are there to monitor your thoughts and your actions. What kind of guardrails might they be? Well, you need to avoid tempting situations. Don't put yourself in a vulnerable situation. You need to monitor what you allow to come into your house or your office through the television, through the internet, and watch the mo- be careful about the movies that you watch. Avoid those things that trigger lust in your life. Avoid compromising situations. Never put yourself in a compromising situation. Avoid compromising situations. I'm going to give you this option on this. Have an accountability partner. If you can meet with an accountability partner 
where you ask each other the tough questions. Have you looked at any pornography this week? Have you watched anything on television that was lustful and sinful and deviant in the eyes of God? And you can answer those things honestly, then have an accountability partner. But I've known relationships where guys, pastors who had an accountability partner, and they were asked those questions every week. Have you had anything alcoholic to drink? Have you done any illicit drugs? Have you watched anything pornographic? Have you read anything pornographic? And they would look at their accountability partner in the eye and they would say no. And the bottom line was they were lying because it came out later in their life. You see, I'm not big on accountability partners because you can lie to an accountability partner. And you can fool that accountability partner. But you cannot fool God. Just get right between you and God. But if an accountability partner works for you, then use it, okay? But you have got to be honest in that relationship. And then the last thing that I would say about that, about establishing guardrails is guard your heart and your mind. Guard your heart and your mind. The Bible tells us that over and over and over. Guard your heart and your mind, okay? So, flee immorality. Establish guardrails. Then the second thing Paul says to do is honor God with your body. And he gives us several reasons all the way through the Bible. God made your body. Psalm 139, 13 says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. See, God is invested in your body. He created your body. You are created in the image of God. And if your body is the temple of God, this is where God resides, in your body. He also reminds you that as a believer in Christ, you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. And he also reminds you that the Holy Spirit lives in your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why he tells us then that we're to flee immorality and honor God with your body. How do we go about honoring God in our body? Well, Romans 12.1 gives us the first example as a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1-2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Offer your body that Jesus Christ bought for you through His blood sacrifice on the cross. Offer that body of yours to God as a living sacrifice. That's how you begin to honor God. Then the second thing I think that Paul would remind us of is that we need to discipline our bodies for godliness. That goes beyond guarding your heart and your mind, and it means really taking severe action. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Paul says, Do, do you not know that, uh, that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? He says then, so run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last forever. He's talking about things that are temporary. He says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul who gives us so much of the New Testament, this man who was on mission trip after mission trip, established church after church, 
and challenges us in the Word of God, talks about the fact that he has to be careful and take action to submit his body so that he does not lose the prize. You see, he is admitting what we know as well, and that is that our body naturally wants to do things that are not right, and we have to bring our body under control and keep it under control. That's how we honor God. And then there's a third thing that he says, and I, I just think it's just you got to commit to honor God. It's got to be a commitment of your lifestyle. In a quiet time this, this week, one day, I was just reading through a portion of Psalm 66, and verse 2 just popped right up. And I love what it says. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. And I thought, wouldn't that be wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful way to live? That we sing forth the honor of his name. We sing forth the honor of his name. And we make his name glorious. Why do we do that? Because our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, we've talked about sex and sexual immorality in the church. You hear it everywhere else. And don't tell me you don't. Because it is saturated in the culture in which you live. You hear it at school. You hear it at work. Sometimes you hear it at home. What I've given to you today is not the perverted message that the world will give to you about sex. That casual sex is okay. Sexual immorality is okay. It's a natural act. I've given to you the Word of God. It might raise questions from some of your young people that you've got to deal with, parents. It might for you as our students. You're dealing with it. You're faced with that. We know that. You deal with it every day. You've got issues. You've got questions. You've got concerns. You've got struggles. Talk honestly about it at home. Deal with it. See, if the church doesn't talk about it, and if you don't talk about it and deal with it at home, guess where? This next generation is going to learn about it. They're going to learn about it in a place you really don't want them to learn about it. And so you need to understand that why this message is so important, why it's in the Bible, and why I chose to preach it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. And it all goes back to understanding that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've committed your life to Christ, then your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit of God, and you need to honor God in your body. Father, we thank you for the challenging words you've given to us. But before that, we thank you for your love in which you sent Jesus to the cross who would die for our sins, take the punishment for our sins, and we can find forgiveness. Father, help us to live in that forgiveness in such a way that we will have the strength physically and spiritually to subdue our bodies so that we will flee immorality, so that we will not misuse our bodies so that we will not abuse our bodies but that we will live for your glory we will sing forth the honor of your name we will make your praises glorious as we live as your people in this culture father enable us to do that as we commit our lives to you through faith in jesus christ and we thank you for what he's done for us and we pray it in his name for strength and to honor him to glorify your name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.